Morning, everybody. How you doing? Has anyone got away for some uh, summer rest yet? Is anyone looking forward to some summer rest yet? Great. Well, it's really nice to see you. Um, Joe and uh, two of my children are off. Have gone are going off this morning to the New Wine Festival, so her holidays uh, beginning. Uh, I'm heading next week on a walking trip with my other son, and then. All of our family are heading off to Africa for a couple of weeks after that, including the ministry trip at the end of the month with Karis Kids. So uh, we're certainly looking forward to some rest. Before that, though, I wonder, I've got a little pop quiz for you. Um, I wonder if you know, first of all, who these people are, and more importantly, what they have in common. I'll tell you what, I'll give you a clue and I'll tell you who they are, and then you can work out if you think you know what they might have in common. So the first picture is the Korean boy band uh, BTS, or Beyond the Scene. Okay, very popular in Korea and around the world. The second one is a Californian couple called Charlotte and David Wilner. The third one is a little boy called Ryan, who is six years old. And the fourth one is Rihanna, who's a global pop artist and a fashion icon. Anybody know what these four... Anyone has any guess as to what these four people have in common? It's something to, is it something to do with YouTube? They are part of the recently published Time magazine list of the 25 most influential people on the internet. Okay? Let me tell you a little bit about them. So the first one, the Korean boy band, Beyond the Scene, BTS. They're one of the most successful K-pop bands ever. Anyone into K-pop here? With massive hits, multiple awards. Since their debut in 2013, they've sold 7 million albums worldwide. But their real, that's not their real success. Their real success is their position in the social media charts, where they have 50 million viewers across all their English language platforms. Um, they made the 2018 Guinness World Records for having the, mo- the world's most Twitter engagements for a music group. In 2017, they were liked or retweeted by over half a billion, sorry, over half a billion times. 502 million retweets or likes worldwide, which you'll be pleased to know is more than the US President Donald Trump and Justin Bieber combined. Um, this second couple are called Charlotte and David Wilner. They're a Californian couple. And in, re- in response to the recent US zero-tolerance immigration crisis, which led to about 2,000 children being separated from their families, this couple, the Wilners, created a Facebook fundraiser titled Reunite an Immigrant Parent with Their Child. Their goal was to generate $1,500 to provide legal help to immigrants and refugees. Instead, it became the most successful single fundraising group campaign in Facebook's history, raising more than $20 million for more than 500,000 people, all money which will go toward providing immigrant families with legal aid, hiring more help and paying bonds so parents can be released from detention centres and reunited with their children. Anyone know who this guy is? Ryan, age six. Well, when he was age three, he reviewed about 100 toys at once on his YouTube channel, Ryan Toys Review, and it became a viral phenomenon. And now Ryan's daily vlogs, many of which feature him unboxing new toys and reviewing them, rack up millions, sometimes even billions of views. At one point last summer, Ryan Toys Review had been the most viewed YouTube channel in the US for 40 weeks in a row. More recently, he ranked eighth on Forbes' annual list of the world's highest paid YouTube stars, pulling in $11 million. I did a bit of research and I checked his channel out. 
His latest video, which I looked at it yesterday morning, it had been up since the day before and already had 600,000 views. Basically, it was just him and his mum and dad playing with some slime blaster guns. I mean... <laughs> There was an article in the Washington Post about him at the end of 2017. It said, children everywhere have become hooked, watching his videos for hours a day, even mimicking him and starting their own YouTube channels. For some of his youngest fans, Ryan is not just some stranger on the internet. He is their friend. Interesting that, isn't it? Lastly, Rihanna, probably better known than most of those people, a global pop artist, well-known icon with 250 million global record sales as well as being an actress and a fashion businesswoman. But how is this for influence? In March 2018, Rihanna posted an Instagram story denouncing an advert that appeared on Snapchat that used her image to make light of a domestic violence issue, which she had been a survivor of. So she posted one Instagram about it. The company involved, Snap Incorporated, lost $800 million in value as a result of her posting about it. Now, these are just four examples from a list of 25 that you can look at for yourself if you like. Time magazine's list on the internet. And even just between the four of these examples, they represent, I think you'd agree, some significant influence on anyone who's listening. Now, influence means the capacity to have an effect on someone or something to affect or change their character or development or behavior. Influential people can have a real effect on the way that other people behave. The question is, I wonder who is influencing us? Turn to the person next to you and just discuss with them for a minute. Who is it that influences me? Who do I look up to? Who do I listen to, pay attention to, appreciate? Who do I take on board what they say? Who do I listen to? You know, one of the first questions that you'll ask any musician or any artist or any writer is, who are your influences? What are your influences? It's, it's given that if you're going to try and do something that you'll have already taken on board some, pe- some other people's ideas and some other people's suggestions. Who do you admire? Who inspires you? Just turn to the person next to you and just share that information with them for a minute or so. Just talk about who it is that influences you the most. Okay, if you can uh, draw those conversations to a close. Anybody brave enough to tell me that one of these four people is one of their key influences? I have to admit, I'd not heard of uh, three of them before I did this little research. So who are we looking to for inspiration? We've been looking at some of the stories of Jesus. In fact, the stories that Jesus told are in the middle of a series on the parables of Jesus. These parables are little nuggets, usually quite short in in length, of Jesus' teaching. Essentially, boiled down to a few lines and delivered as a pithy and intriguing story. Not detailed sermons, not long diatribes, but just short little stories. And um, we're going to look at another one of those this morning. And by the way, if you're here today and you're not somebody who calls yourself a Christian, if you're not a believer in God, well, first of all, you're very welcome and thank you for coming. And secondly, I hope this uh, talk helps you in some way to understand a little bit more about the teaching of Jesus and what it is that he uh, brought to the world. And the other thing to say is that I'm drawing on some material um, by a man called Simon Ponsonby this morning as well. Some of this is not my own work. But it's very good anyway, and I thought I'd help share it with you. But today's story is about influence. 
And it's actually the shortest parable I think I know. It is literally one verse long in the Bible, and there it is. And uh, I don't have any more slides, by the way. That's just going to stay up for the rest of the morning. So you don't have to look it up, but believe me, it's in Matthew, the book of Matthew, chapter 13 and verse 33. And the parable is this. Jesus told them another parable. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. Shall we read that together one more time, just to get it in there? Ready? Jesus told them another parable, go. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. Okay, first question, what is leaven? It's not yeast, but it has the same effect as yeast. I think some people, I think some people might call it sourdough. Anyway, leaven in this context is fermented dough that is placed in the centre of a new lump of dough that gives off carbon dioxide and enables that dough to rise and become light and airy. So it was a common, it was a common practice in Jesus' time for the woman of the family, sorry ladies, it's not a statement on you know, sexism and all that, it's just how it was, but she would get up and she would make two or three loaves of bread and she would make it fresh each day. And to make that bread, she would take, she would mix up the the flour and the water and whatever else, and she would take a little bit of the leaven from yesterday's batch, which she had saved, and she would put it in the middle of the batch of dough and then she would allow that to influence the dough and to give off the gas and it would kind of spread. The effect of that leaven would spread through the whole dough. So two or three loaves a day to feed the family and uh, what they'd always do is just before they bake that dough, they'd just cut off a little bit, save that for tomorrow and bake the rest to make bread, which then they would feed the family with for the day. So the first job would be to mix that leaven right into the middle of the dough so it would influence the whole loaf. So Jesus is talking about a very common domestic chore, something which his listeners would be very, very familiar with. However, as always with Jesus, there's always some sort of, there's always something he's saying or doing that's unexpected. And so when Jesus says, oh, the kingdom of heaven... And by the way, this is in the context of a whole bunch of parables where he's describing this is what God is like, this is what the kingdom of God is like, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. It's a really interesting choice of metaphor because for those people listening to Jesus, in the whole of Jewish thought, the metaphor of leaven that I have just described to you is not seen as a positive metaphor, but actually a negative metaphor. Metaphor. It has negative connotations. Let's go back a little bit in the Old Testament history. When the Jews escaped from Egypt after the Passover, they did not have time to wait for their bread to rise. Therefore, they ate and took unleavened bread. And whenever they celebrated that uh, and commemorated that time, whenever they would eat the Passover meal, and still to this day, they would eat unleavened bread, matzos, really flat bread that hasn't risen, that hasn't had the chance to go all light and airy. And they would do that very, very significantly to remember that time of, getting, of being in Egypt and getting out of Egypt. So for the Jews, leaven symbolized Egypt, 
It symbolized slavery. It symbolized oppression and sin and had very negative connotations. And we know that in Jewish thought because apart from this example in this parable, Jesus mentions, oh sorry, leaven is mentioned two more times in the New Testament. Again, both with negative connotations. So in Matthew 16, 6, Jesus is talking to his disciples about the influence of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, that's the Jewish um, authorities, on society. And he talks about the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of the Sadducees and how they are negatively influencing society. There's one more example in the New Testament. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And Paul says, a little leaven leavens the lump. And he is talking in here, this case, in the context of sexual sin and arrogance within a church community. So you see that when Jesus chooses the word leaven, he uses it, chooses it as a metaphor very specifically. And for everybody hearing what Jesus would say, their first and immediate thought is a negative one. Because the word leaven, the metaphor, has negative connotations. They, they hear Jesus say, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. And they immediately register sin and negativity and negative influence on society. So as soon as Jesus says this, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, I would imagine that his listeners are suddenly wide awake. Oh, leaven, hang on, we know what that is. That represents negativity. Hang on, you're saying, Jesus, that the kingdom of heaven, which we think is good and we think God is good, is like this negative sin thing. How does that work? Just put the pause button there and go back two weeks. I don't know if you were here when Paul was sharing about the parable of the persistent widow and the unjust judge. And do you remember Jesus said, even just in talking about an unjust judge, Jesus is offending people's sensibilities because how is it possible to have an unjust judge? How is it possible for a judge to be unjust? That's just not right. That's not how it works. And Jesus says, oh yeah, no, God is like an unjust judge in this context. Jesus is always choosing his words carefully to make a really specific point and to make his listeners sit up and pay attention. It seems that Jesus is saying in this context that the influence, whatever is influencing you and whatever is influencing society, the leaven, okay, it can be a negative thing or it can be a positive thing. The thing that's influencing society could be sin, oppression, negativity, the world, the flesh, and the devil, or it could be the leaven of heaven. Jesus is saying, actually, heaven's influence is also great on society. You could choose. You could have either. You can't have both. So that's Jesus choosing and using this whole metaphor and this word leaven. The next thing to note is, Um, And it's not obvious unless you know the cultural touch points here. How many measures of flour do you think three measures of flour is? How many people know about their first century Middle Eastern weights and measures? Because I have to admit that I don't. When Jesus says that this woman hid the leaven, a small bunch of leaven, in three measures of flour, three measures of flour equates to about 50 pounds, enough mixture to make bread for 100 people. There is no way that your common garden Middle Eastern housewife is going to be making bread for 100 people in one day. You wouldn't do that because it wouldn't keep. 
So Jesus is again, he's messing with people's minds. He's messing with the numbers. It feels like he's being almost cartoonish to me. In a similar way as when we talked about the other week, uh, we talked about the, um, the parable of the sower. And you know, Jesus said, when he talks about the parable of the sower, he says, some of the seed did this, and some of the seed fell on the ground, and some seed fell on good ground, where it grew to be 100-fold. We like to say 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Actually, the story goes 100-fold, and 60-fold, and 30-fold. And so any farmer worth his salt is going to hear that story and is going to say there is no way on earth that one seed is going to grow 100 times the plants that it should. Jesus is messing with the numbers because I think he's trying to be a little bit cartoonish. He's going, hey, this thing's bigger than you ever thought possible. The kingdom of God that I have come to announce, to declare, to preach and proclaim and demonstrate is so much bigger than you ever thought. It's beyond your wildest dreams and imaginations. There's another story just before this one, literally the two verses before this verse in Matthew 13. It's called the parable of the mustard seed. And again, Jesus talks about in two verses how one single tiny Mustard seed can grow larger than all of the plants in the garden and become what he calls a significant tree. Now I've checked this out. Mustard trees or mustard plants grow to a height of around three meters. So Jesus again is saying there is something about the kingdom of God which is coming from very small beginnings, which is unexpected and possibly even invisible, but which has the potential to grow Beyond your wildest imagination. Jesus likes to mess with the numbers because he is actually, first of all, he wants people to sit up and take notice. And he's announcing something very big here. The kingdom of God might have a small beginning, but it will grow and influence the whole world. A small bit of leaven, when put in the middle of three measures of flour, our enormous society can actually grow and change and influence the whole of society. That's what Jesus is saying. The kingdom of heaven is not just one for a little bit over here. It's not just a little bit over there. This is big numbers. This is a big game we're talking about. From small and humble beginnings, humble beginnings, the kingdom of God is growing to influence the whole world. Here are some stats I found. In, 19, in the year 1900, there were approximately 10 million Christians in Africa. By the year 2000, there were 360 million. By 2025, conservative estimates see that number rising to 633 million. Those same estimates put the number of Christians in Latin America in 2025 at 640 million and in Asia at 460 million. According to a man called Jenkins who studied this stuff, the percentage of the world's population that is at least by name Christian will be roughly the same in 2050 as it was in 1900. By the middle of this century, there will be 3 billion Christians in the world. In fact, by 2050, there will be nearly as many Pentecostal Christians in the world as there are Muslims today. But at that point, only one-fifth of the world's Christians will be non-Hispanic whites. The typical Christian will be a woman living in a Nigerian village or a Brazilian shantytown, which is challenging in itself. This story is about influence. When Jesus announced 
to the crowd of people that were listening to him 2,000 years ago, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three massive measures of flour until it affected the whole batch. He was talking about something that only God can do. This isn't the spread of religion. This is influence. And it's influence that can only come from the inside out. What does leaven mean for us? What is the leaven of heaven? Ponsonby describes this as God in the mix. I like that phrase. The leaven of heaven is God in the mix. The leaven of heaven is God in the middle of society. He is the bread of life in the life of bread. He is the active, permeating, transforming presence of the king. This is the rule and reign of God backed by his presence, his word, his breath, his love, his truth, his welcome, his holiness and his justice. And the last point about this story is that where does the leaven go in order to have its influence? It is hidden in the middle of the batch. It isn't possible for the leaven to change the dough unless there's contact. Not just contact, but literally it's put there right in the middle. Jesus is not talking about people who carry the kingdom of God hiding away from the world, not interacting, not getting involved. He is talking about being right in the middle of everything. Jesus, even in his own holiness, didn't hide away from sinners, didn't avoid bad people. He actually advanced towards them. He was criticized and judged by the Pharisees because he hung out with the kind of people that their religious types just didn't want to know. He was there partying with prostitutes. He was welcoming tax collectors into his group. As the phrase says, you've got to be in it to win it. The Pharisees were ignoring the prostitutes and the tax collectors. In fact, worse than that, they were judging them and standing at a distance and washing their hands of them and saying, you guys are not clean, you're not welcome anywhere near God's temple, and we'll pray for you, but... Let's be honest, it probably wasn't making much difference. These guys were genuinely afraid of being contaminated by the sin of people who weren't living God's way, but were living a different way, for whatever reason. You know, the the Pharisees' attitude to lepers and those with leprosy is is fascinating. One ancient rabbi said, when I see lepers, I throw stones at them, lest they come near me. What does Jesus do? He goes right in there. He just goes towards the people who nobody else wanted to go towards. See, leaven can't work in the dough from the outside in. It's not a superficial acquaintance. It's only going to work if it's right in the middle of the batch. Jesus' holiness was contagious. He wasn't afraid of being contaminated. He, He wasn't afraid of being contaminated by sin. He actually knew that it worked the other way, that his presence would change things and people. True holiness or true influence will only come from a move towards our culture and not away from it. I believe the kingdom of God, the power of God, the kingdom of heaven, the leaven of heaven, whatever phrase you want to use for it, has the power to affect great change and transformation in my neighborhood 
in your workplace, in society as a whole. You know, in the history of Christian faith, there have been movements of pietistic withdrawal. In other words, there have been those who believe that in order to get closer to God and be better Christians, they should withdraw from society. They should have nothing to do with the world, and they should basically stay out of the way so they don't get contaminated, they don't get involved. I just can't see how the leaven of heaven is going to influence any kind of lump if it's sitting in a desert cave all its life. It's not going to work. How is that going to work? I um, went to university uh, in the year of 1988. (laughs) The year of our Lord, 1988. And I went along to my hall where I lived. We lived in a big block of flats in Birmingham. and, uh, And we had a knock on the door from the people who ran the it was called, my hall was called High Hall, for obvious reasons, it was tall. And they ran the High and Ridge Hall Christian Union. And so they said, oh, come to the Christian Union. And we said, okay. So me and my roommate, who was also a believer, um, we went along to the Christian Union on the first night. And uh, we discovered that these people weren't quite the same kind of Christians as us. And they went to the kind of church where they felt that, or they had been taught, that uh, they shouldn't really listen to pop music. They certainly shouldn't listen to the radio. They had to be careful what they dressed and be careful what they wore. And, you know, I could sort of loosely, maybe, if I was being gracious, find arguments and reasons for that. But the thing that really did my head in was that when we all went down to sit for meals, these guys sat in one table and wouldn't really talk to anybody else. They didn't make any effort to get to know anybody else. They just sat in their own table and they sat really cliquey. And I just remember thinking... It's not for me. That's not, that's not how I think my belief works. That's not how I think Christian faith works. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, short-term retreats are good. Retreating to the desert to get right with God, to have Sabbath, to sort ourselves out is a really good thing. But for me, it's a short-term thing. It's so that we can then re-enter in society and carrying on being a positive influence and a force for good. I am not interested in any kind of religion that means I have to cut off from people and avoid them in case I might get contaminated. Do, do, does, do you get what I'm saying? And, you know, look, these people, I'm not judging them. They were, you know, they, were, they thought what they thought, and that's fine. But for me, it just, just doesn't work that way. But also, listen, don't hear me saying this either. It's not okay to compromise our values and just do what everyone else is doing. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying go and make no difference and just be the same as everybody else because that's not clearly not right. And, and, you know, if you are someone who struggled, for example, with an addiction, then it is really not a good idea to go back to the place where that addiction was happening or back to those people, if it was drugs or alcohol or whatever. You know, it is wise to stay away from some places. I'm not saying compromise our values. But I am saying, if we're not at least close to and involved with and in the middle of people who probably need the kingdom of heaven, then it's not going to happen. So as a general rule, that kind of influence is only going to happen if there's proximity and real relationship. You know, there's a story in, uh, well, in all the Gospels actually, and it's called the Transfiguration and mostly, mostly what you get in the Gospels is examples of Jesus and his disciples going around and ministering to people and doing, doing the work of God and 
seeing healing and miracles and all of that. But there is this one moment called the transfiguration where Jesus seems to be having this holy, holy, glory God moment where he goes up a mountain and uh, those watching can sort of see clouds coming down and, and starlight and it's all very shiny. And Jesus seems to be caught up in a sort of some sort of trance or something and, uh, and they see figures of Moses and Elijah. And Jesus just seems to be having a real moment with God. And it's glorious and it's wonderful And it's like, wow, what's going on here? That's really powerful. And as soon as it finishes, Peter, one of Jesus' followers, says, hey, Jesus, what's going on there? That's amazing. Look, why don't we build a booth? And why don't we build a sort of memorial here? Why don't we we keep this going? Why don't we keep this glory thing going? Because people need to get a bunch of that. And Jesus says, no, no, no. That's not what this is about. We've had our glory moment with God. And now we need to go down the mountain and we need to cast out some demons. And we need to get on with the work of the kingdom. Let's avoid the temptation to stay too long in the glory places because it's actually in the gritty places that the kingdom of God can bring most change. The leaven cannot influence the lump unless it's right there in the middle from the inside. Am I communicating? Okay. You're all very quiet. Is it just that you're tired and it's the holidays? Maybe you're just thinking. Anyway, um, how do we apply this briefly? So I've talked about the parable and what I think it means. What does this mean for us? How does the leaven of heaven bring about its influence in our context? There are three measures of flour in the story, and I just have three brief contexts that I think this applies in. And the first one, you'll not be surprised to hear, is that it starts in me. And I don't just mean me, I mean all of us. The kingdom of heaven, the leaven of heaven, transforms each of us from the inside. The work of the Holy Spirit is to bring about God's transformation in us, initially through salvation. By literally just saying yes to God, by giving our yes to Jesus, we are saved. We give him permission to come and take authority in our lives. It's a bit like us, the dough, bringing in and planting his leaven inside us. And that's the start of it, but it's not the end of it, because then comes, and here's a very big and slightly religious word, sanctification. Which basically means just getting cleaner and getting more holy and getting more pure. It's about character change. It's not enough to say yes to Jesus and then stay in that place. If the leaven of heaven is influencing us, then we are growing and we are changing. And that doesn't just mean our character's changing. It means that's part of it. Our character is growing. We are changing. We are becoming more like Jesus. We are becoming disciples of him The rule and the reign of Jesus is taking full effect in our lives. And that leads us out to places where people do not know this stuff yet. As we grow in our discipleship, and by the way, Paul has this brilliant definition of discipleship. I think he nicked it from Dallas Willard or amended it or something. And it's systematically restructuring and reordering our lives every day. Every day rearranging my life so that I am more like Jesus. It never stops. The work of sanctification, of discipleship, the work of the kingdom in me never stops. I need 
the leaven of heaven to keep influencing me daily. I, there's no way I could be a half-decent husband or father or friend or colleague or boss if I'm not daily allowing the kingdom of God to keep influencing me, to help me operate from a basis of emotional and spiritual health, to help me deal with my issues, my pain, my loss, my grief, my insecurity, the stuff I brought into adulthood from childhood, the stuff that's happened to me. I was just talking to somebody today. They were saying how their granny, grandma had died recently and their dad had got a health scare and this stuff just happens. This stuff happens in our lives and we need to be able to take it to God and allow his kingdom to keep working in us. I'm not there yet. Anybody here who's made it? I thought not. Just checking. (laughs) If you have, wonderful. I want to come and learn from you. Um, We always need more of the leaven of heaven inside us. It's no good thinking that we've got there yet. You know, I've talked before about how we as believers should really be known as the most generous people in our communities, the most kind, the most loving, the people who are prepared to go the extra mile. You know, sometimes we are, and that's wonderful. Sometimes we aren't, and that's not so great. I want people to sit up and take notice of the kingdom of God working through me and in me. I want them to notice the impact that Jesus is having in my life. And I can only be that person, I can only be that guy by continually inviting the transforming presence of God into the center of my life again and again and again and allowing his leaven, the leaven of heaven to transform me. You know, we talked in that series about contemplative spirituality and some of those practices, just those ancient habits, the, um, you know, the different prayers and the different ways of relating to God that just help us connect with him. Daily, I don't know about you, but I just need to be near him. I need his presence in my life. Now, I have a, I'm just going to be honest with you, I have a bit of a love-hate relationship with worship music in the church. Because sometimes with my musician's hat on, I think, oh, I don't think this is really much good. (laughs) But other times I think, do you know what, I really need this music because it helps me get into God's presence. You know? Sometimes from, I'll be honest enough to say, from a musical perspective, I think, that's not really where I'm at. But from a, God perspective, I really need whatever tool will work, whether it's the Bible, whether it's an app, whether it's a friend, whether it's a daily text reminder from somebody, whether it's putting on a playlist, whether it's walking in nature, whether it's seeing my friend, I need to keep connecting with God because I need his kingdom presence to keep influencing me. So that's me. The second context that the leaven of heaven transforms is the church, Jesus' body in the world, the body of Christ. You know, there's a pretty famous um, theologian, uh, Second World War theologian called Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a pastor in the German church and he was imprisoned for speaking out against the Nazis and ultimately put to death, actually, in a prison camp. He was one of the few church leaders who didn't passively ignore and allow what Hitler was doing. Bonhoeffer talked about Christ in me, me in the church, and the church in the world. And if the leaven heaven is going to influence me, 
then hopefully that's going to influence the church and that's going to influence the world. You see, the church of Jesus Christ, his body in the world, we are called to reflect his glory through our words and our actions. We are probably already, let's just have a little look. Yeah, I think it's a pretty fair reflection. Probably already the most mixed bag of people under one roof around here. I don't know if you would choose to hang out with all of these people in any other context of your life. You know, where else are you going to find the different ages and stages all together under one united purpose? The church has an incredible value and purpose in society to declare the influence and the kingdom of God. I was at an amazing wedding yesterday. My godson, Jake, was getting married. Um, they're, a, they're a family that have been really close to us. I've literally watched him grow from a baby. I prayed for him at his dedication uh, service and yesterday got to speak at his wedding, which was a, Joe and I did, and it was a real privilege. Um, the thing I love about weddings, when particularly, and, and they don't have to be Christian weddings, but you know, I've been to weddings where the speeches have been, let's just say, less than honouring. And I've also been to some amazing weddings where the speeches have been absolutely, fantastically honouring. And this, my friends yesterday, both the parents spoke and the, the bride and groom spoke and friends spoke as well. And just honoured and blessed. The power of honouring and blessing what God is doing in our midst. It was amazing. Some of Jake's friends who are not believers, uh, Jake and Heather's friends, were, were at the wedding. And um, it was, they said, apparently they said afterwards, if church had been like this, if church was like this, I might even convert. Because, they were, because of the witness of just honouring one another and worshipping in this way. And the, the church has an incredible role to play in society doing that. People should take notice of how we are with each other. The way that we handle our relationships, the way that we deal with our conflict. Because let's face it, we are going to fall out. It is inevitable. But the way that we do that and the way that we treat one another and the kindness that we show, even when we disagree, will be a hallmark of God's people, the church, Jesus' body in the world. Now, I know that's not easy. You know, every single one of Paul's New Testament letters was written to a church that was basically struggling and had basically messed up one way or another. Either there was inappropriate behavior going on or there was false teaching in the church and the church was in a mess because they've opened themselves up to different ideas and they're not looking at the Bible and they've lost focus. And Paul has to write all these letters and bless him, if I was Paul, I think I'd be pretty frustrated, but he seems to manage to stay really gracious. Maybe he was on his like fourth you know, edit or something, I don't know. But, um, but he managed to stay really gracious as he patiently teaches the church. You know what I mean? You hear what I'm saying? You know, there is a place for this. We, see, we as a church, we seek to read and understand the Bible. We seek to apply it to our lives and stay close to it and, and hold to its teaching. We're actually doing a whole thing which will launch in September called a Year of Biblical Literacy just to help us engage with the Bible a bit more. Um, and when we do that, the church of Jesus Christ shines in the world. And the last context is that the leaven of heaven, it transforms me, it transforms the church and the church in society. The leaven of heaven transforms the world. We are, all of us, scattered servants carrying heaven's DNA into every context that we go into, every situation we find ourselves in, whether it's through work, whether it's in the school playground, whether it's at college or school, whatever we're doing, 
whether it's in our community, our neighborhood, or our family, we are carrying the DNA of heaven. We are carrying the leaven of heaven, and we are part of that influencing process. We have hope. We have life. We have creativity and energy. I don't know if you in your workplace have some problems that need attending to. Has anyone got any problems at work? Has anyone got any problems in society, in, in their community, that you're looking at and you're thinking, that could be better. This could improve. You know, I really believe that we're, I think I've heard Paul say this, you know, never leave a place the same as when you went in it. it I, do you know, it makes me, he, I, I hear his voice saying that every time I see litter on the floor now, wherever I am. Even if it wasn't nothing to do with me, I didn't drop that litter. And I think, oh, there's Paul's voice going, well, but I'm supposed to make a difference to a place, so maybe I can pick that up. And most of the time I manage it. <laughs> um, where in your local community needs, needs change? Where in your work do they need some hope, some ideas? Where are the poor and the marginalised? You know, I was talking about this wedding, and my godson Jake is a, is a primary school teacher in one of the poorest postcodes of, uh, Birm- of inner city Birmingham. He's uh, been there three years. Now, I'm really proud of this guy. He's quite like me. We did a lot of music together growing up. I even took him on a, a little trip to America when he was 13. Everyone kept saying to me, is he your son? And I said, no, but I'd be, proud if he, I'd be really proud if he was. Um, and he's sort of very enthusiastic, very outgoing, very musical. He's very into people. And for the last three years, he's been injecting all of that into the year five and six classes of Ladywood, which is one of the really poor areas in the middle of Birmingham where kids really just need loving as well as good grades, you know? And at Jake's wedding was also another guy who, used, who goes to my old church, um, Daniel, who is um, uh, the head teacher of that school. In fact, he was the head teacher of another school, and uh, he was doing such a good job. He's only about 40 or something. He was doing such a good job that they asked him to, they asked them to, to become a super head, you know, the executive head, and to take over running this other failing school. And I was talking to him about it. And how hard that's been. You know, managing two staff teams is really tricky. And uh, especially when the second one was so, was, had, had, had such really poor results and had a really poor Ofsted. And their last Ofsted, they got, um, they got good. And that was a massive achievement for them. Um, and I just thought, isn't it wonderful that the people who are part of the church are actually putting their creativity and their energy to work in places where there, are re- there is real need. And that, for me, is a great example of the leaven of heaven influencing society. I've just read this amazing book by a guy called Pete Gregg. It's called Dirty Glory. And if, you ha- if you're looking for something to read over your holidays, I would really, really recommend it. It's, an easy, it's a fairly easy read because he's got a wonderful writing style. And I'll tell you what, I actually cheat. I get the audio books and I listen and in this case, it's him reading his own book. So that's even better because he's a great speaker too. And he even does the accents and all that sort of stuff. But he said this, if we claim to have our eyes fixed on Jesus and yet fail to focus on the profound needs that break his heart, we are hypocrites. He talks about how glory, the glory of God is best seen in the dirt. Not up the mountain, but in the dirt. He talks about what that's meant for the 24-7 prayer movement, which started in one little room in Chichester 15 years ago. And is now a global movement of prayer, setting up boiler rooms and prayer rooms right across the world. And it wasn't enough for them to pray, because they were praying, and then they were like, well, but we have to do something now. 
And God was clearly leading them to different places. And I haven't got time to tell you the stories, but buy the book or listen to it. It's fantastic. And he talks about specifically about some of the different communities where they've had massive influence on the party island of Ibiza. They've been running teams there for, for, for years and years now. He talks about what they call the vomit bus. No, the vomit van. That's it, the vomit van, where they'd literally just drive around and pick people up who are drunk and take them home and look after them. You know, he talks about helping the trafficked West African prostitutes figure out a way to follow Jesus and get free. He talks about um, another family who went to a place called Boys Town just over the border in Mexico. Just horrendous places. Basically, these guys were a prayer movement, but the more they prayed, the more they sensed they needed to go and set up prayer rooms in places where there was, where there was real need. And what followed? And I just want to finish by reading you a little section from his book. He says, The church at its best has always been radically committed to a gospel that is revolutionary social as well as spiritually. In more recent times, William Carey, the best, was best known as the father of modern missions, campaigned for women's rights and those of the lepers. John Wesley launched the first lending banks for the poor. Robert Rakes and Hannah Moore pioneered free education for all. William Wilberforce fought slavery. Elizabeth Fry campaigned for prison reform. George Muller established orphanages. The seventh Earl of Shaftesbury fought child labor. The oppression of the mentally ill and many other injustices. William and Catherine Booth of the Salvation Army waged a vast campaign against every kind of injustice. More recently in the 20th century, Amy Carmichael rescued orphans in India. Dr. Paul Brand pioneered reconstructive surgery for victims of leprosy. Dame Cicely Saunders established the hospice movement to care for the dying and Archbishop Desmond Tutu fought apartheid and pioneered reconciliation in South Africa. You know, there are places and systems and structures right across society globally that have been started by the people of God being like leaven in the middle of people who are in need. I kind of want to finish there. I don't have much more to say. The leaven of heaven can bring about change in me. It can bring about change in the church. And it can bring about change in society. And my encouragement to us is to press into him for that because he is always fully available. Why don't we stand together? Do you guys want to come? Why don't we just be quiet for a minute and reflect? And why don't you just invite the Holy Spirit to speak specifically to each of us now? Jesus, as we reflect on your word, on what seems like just one little sentence that you spoke many years ago, as we reflect on that and the incredible potential and power there is in those of us who are trying to follow you, enacting the leaven of heaven, the kingdom of heaven's presence and power, rule and reign in the places you've called us to, in ourselves, in the church and in the society, Lord. We, I just invite your presence to you speak. And Lord, would you just touch those parts of us that are resonating with what I've been sharing right now. Would you speak clearly as we seek to respond?
Holy Spirit, we welcome you again. So I was praying before, I just felt like there might be some people who might want to respond. Maybe you're somebody who has chosen, you know that you've just not chosen good influences in your life. And you just know that you need to change that. Maybe you know that you've been influenced by something or somebody that just hasn't been helping. There's no judgment here, by the way. But there is a real good, there is a real good opportunity to put that right. A place to come to Jesus, and uh, we would love to pray for you if that's the case. I wonder if there might be some people here who just know that they need to be, you just know you need to be nearer to God. You need to be closer to the source. And for whatever reason you're not, and again, there's no judgment, but if you know that God is just touching you now, if you know that something is resonating in you, you know, maybe you'd want to come forward and just step out of your chair. There's nothing special or magic about stepping to the front of the church and God can quite easily act wherever you are. But sometimes if you know God's speaking to you, it's just a really good thing to physically respond. It's a way of saying, yes, I'm in. But also I feel like there are some people here who know and you know where God has called you to be. You know the part of society that he's called you to be. And you just need empowering You need all that you can get from him so that you can take the kingdom of heaven to that place. We'd love to pray a blessing on you if that's the case. We'd love to pray God's blessing on you. And lastly, I I felt that there might be some people who are just kind of trying to hear God for what that call is. You know, you actually don't know where God is sending you. You have a sense that he might be trying to send you somewhere, but you're in the process of listening and hearing And again, if that's you, we'd love to pray God's blessing on you today. We'd love to just pray that God would speak to you. So that's four different people that I've said. People who've chosen, you know that you've chosen to follow unhelpful influences in the past and you just want to come and put that right with Jesus. People who just know they need to be nearer to God and want to make that step right now. People who know where God is calling them and we'd love to bless you to be a blessing and to take the kingdom of God presence with you and also people who know that that God is calling them to do something like that but they don't quite know where and what it is and just in that limbo land we'd love to pray for you as well so if any of those resonates with you or if there's any other reason that you've come today that you would love someone to pray for you about maybe it's a physical condition or an emotional need why do, I'd love to invite you just to come and uh, stand here and, and some people from the church will come and pray for you because that's what we do this is how we operate. Let's have one or two folks from the church come down as well. Let's have one or two folks from life groups or people who are prepared to minister. And just come and step into this place. And if you know that God bless you guys, if you know that you just want to respond to what God is saying and doing, then we would just love to pray God's blessing on you. Bless you. Come. There's, a, there's no need to talk lots. There's no need to... There's no need to... Um, spill your guts as it were just just to allow God to come and touch you and we would love them. and those who are praying let's have some more folks from the church to come and pray if you're in a life group if you know how to pray for somebody let's have you down we need some men and some women here keep coming take a step forward you guys take a step forward I need plenty more folks to come and pray let me let me let me pray let me pray over you guys keep coming So Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence here and we thank you for your work 
on our hearts. And Lord, you know, we want to be influenced by the right things and we want to be an influence for good. And each person down here represents a story, represents somebody, represents what God is doing, something God is doing. And these are really precious. And every single every single person here, that's a moment that God is working in. And so, Holy Spirit, we bless that moment and we bless that process. We bless these conversations and we bless these prayers that those who are seeking to follow you, that those who are seeking to make a change, make a difference, be transformational, be part of the good news. Those of us who are, those who are seeking to follow you to wherever you're leading them might know today just an encouragement and might feel empowered and loved by you in the process. So we thank you, Holy Spirit, for your work among us. You lead us to Jesus. You lead us to the Father. And we love you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to leave these guys to pray. And the band will continue to worship. And if you don't need to rush away and God is doing something with you or you just want to enjoy his presence, there's just a well an opportunity to do that now. So uh, if you want to stick around, if you haven't yet gone to fetch your kids, now would be a great time to go and do that. And there's coffee and stuff at the back. Don't forget there aren't any evening services, so the next time we'll be together is next Sunday in the morning. But there is a picnic straight after church today. We'll meet in the cafe in 20 minutes or so. And those of us who are going down to the water meadows will start heading down. But don't rush away. If God's working with you, if he's doing something with you, then allow that to continue. Just push into that. Reach in. Press in. Bless you guys. Bless you. Your name is